Off the ball. Cheering on the girls in green. I followed the Irish women since 1983. 82,000 people, that's going to be something else. There'll be a hell of a lot of Irish in that, and it'll be a hell of a game as well. Love off the ball, we really do love off the ball. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. All right, well, delighted to continue the build up in Kilkenny to this weekend's All Ireland Senior Hurling Championship final. I'm on the old Ballyragged Road. That's where I am now. Martin Fogarty has joined me. Martin, how are you keeping? Very good, Shane. You're welcome to the South East. Yeah, I'm Hurling. Glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. Uh, for people to be familiar with you as uh, you were a selector under under Brian Cody for many years, uh, 05 to 13, I think, were the, were the designated years, and then National Hurling Development Manager. So you've been in the in the public eye for for quite some time. But you're also the father of of Connor, um, and it's a big weekend for Connor. I guess I saw the the best luck Connor sign on the way into the house here and. It must be an exciting time as a father to be preparing for an All Ireland final when your son's involved. Ah, uh, sure, it certainly is. It's, um, I suppose, it's something I would have dreamed about as a youngster myself to try and, and do it. But unfortunately, I wasn't good enough. <laughs> so to have um, the son and the older son was Damien. He he was there years ago as well. So to have them playing minor and twenty one and then senior, um, I suppose I lived my dreams through them. Are you able to watch? I'm sure you do watch and you go to all the matches, but is it a, a torturous or nerve-wracking experience when you, have, when you have a kid in the pitch? Well, it's, it's, it's not easy. Um, ideally, I'd be all on my own, but that's not possible in Crow Park. <laughs> um, but you're looking, what can you do when you go up at the floor and try and pretend it's an ordinary match down in the local club grounds here? Yeah, Aaron's own is the club down there in Castlecomer. Is that the, that's your local club? The, the lads have been involved yeah. with that club for years as well. That's correct. Yeah, Aaron's own Castlecomer. So it, I, I guess you're you're somewhat used to it watching them playing for the club, but but then when I guess when you see the black and amber on them, it, like it just it looks different and it feels different. I'd imagine. Well, sure, the pressure is a thousand times higher. Um, you know, you're sitting in the stand there and you're watching. It's easier on the line. You're in the stand. You're you're surrounded by supporters and. They don't really realise maybe who they're giving out about sometimes. I often have to look back sometimes if people are making a few comments about players that they shouldn't. So <laughs> a good friend of mine years ago, he had a son playing for Kilkenny against Wexford one time and he told his son that he, he went off down among the Wexford crowd. Right. And, and the son asked him, why did you do that, Daddy? And he says, sure, there's nobody cutting the back off you down there. <laughs> They didn't know the names down there. Might have been an easier, an easier way to do it. Uh, you never give out about the opposition. You always give out about your own. Exactly, yeah. 100%. And that's the funny thing about being at these matches. Like that, that, that era that you would have been a selector under, under Brian, um, 05 to 13, like remarkably successful, six All-Irelands and, and all the other titles that came with it. Uh, it must have been a, an absolute privilege to have been involved with such a, a dominant team really across that, that era. Yeah, well, it, it was, I suppose... Michael Dempsey and myself, we came from under 21. We, we were fortunate to win two 21s mm. and we possibly had the best team of all the following year, which we were heading for three in a row. But Brian asked us in then and um, five, that wasn't a great year. <laughs> we were playing Galway in the semi-final, as far as I recall, and we were looking for a shovel there about halfway into the second half. I think we were down 10 or 12 or 14 points. So it wasn't too nice, but... The lads, the lads dug in and and they hauled it back to a goal. So that was that was tremendous. Even though we lost it, you could see the character in the team that day. Oh five, which um, I suppose that's that's what happened after that. Then that character came through and got to turn over Cork in 0-6 and that was the beginning of some very good days. 
It must be incredible to even to see someone like TJ Reid still involved, and not not just still involved, but but still involved playing to the level that he's playing at. Like he's he's just a machine, isn't he? Yeah, well, it's it's great from a couple of points. Um, to me, the great thing about it is, you know, age is a number, and over the years, I've seen, I suppose, players um, cast aside sometimes by the media <laughs> when when they shouldn't be cast aside. I mean, I'll go back; you weren't even born. Frank Cummins was a Tremendous Kilkenny midfielder years ago, and even even Eddie Kerr in his day, and the, the media decided that these guys are finished, and suddenly mm. they're gone. So TJ has shown that age, you know, it's nothing to do with with age really. You're either fit enough and strong enough or not. And even looking at the referee now for Sunday, um, I think he, he's, he's 50, and this is his last game. Mm-hmm. But age shouldn't come into it. I mean, you're either. You, you could be burnt out at, as a referee you could be burnt out at 40 and some lads they could be flying at 55 so anyway that's that's somebody yeah. else's problem well no, that's a fair point and sure once they pass the fitness test you'd imagine the, the age shouldn't shouldn't come into it I think that's been a bone of contention for a number of different referees across the country yeah right. the same with the players um, you know just because you hit a certain age doesn't means nothing I mean if if you do slow down a little bit mm. which it's you know how much do you slow down in from one year to another but what you have in experience and what you have in the head, you know, your reading of the game, your all of those things are not factored in. But I, I've seen it even at club level. A player, you know, an older player gets beaten to a ball and suddenly the word goes out. The legs are gone. <laughs> and maybe, you know, I know some county guys, one time I heard this about a couple of players, the legs were gone and I had to tell your man, Jed, they were all stars 12 months ago. <laughs> so, but that's, that's, that's what happens. But yeah. you have to, I suppose, you're involved with the team, you have to, Put all that aside and, and, and look at look at what's out in front of you and see what you see. I'm sure it was a period of uh, of mourning in some ways in Kilkenny when Brian Cody uh, announced his uh, he was stepping aside from from the job that he had so much success over so many years. Um, and then Derek Ling, I guess, was it was the passing of the guard really off to him. And I guess some people were saying, "Geez, it's going to take him a bit of time to get this team going again and, and to keep things um, where they were." Because obviously, got got to a final last year in, in Cody's last year. But Jesus, Derek has has fairly picked up the mantle and ran with it, hasn't he? Yeah, well, sure. You know, there wasn't any mourning. I mean, Brian had had a, a tremendous, I suppose, run at it, and I'd say he more than anybody was 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 looking to step out at some stage and there's never a right time to go. Do you go when you lose or do you go when you win? Mm. And, um, you know, and again, the media were talking about a poison chalice and all that kind of nonsense, but it was a very, very straightforward handover. And sure, I'm sure Brian would be the first person to tell you that people on the sideline are almost irrelevant. It's the players drive it. Mm. And you have a bunch of players that are driven, which we will always have in Kilkenny. Whether they win or they don't win is beside the point. And, you know, for Derek to step in, all he was really doing was continuing what he had been doing himself as a player mm. and what the squad, I suppose, were doing as a panel right throughout Brian's tenure. So, to me, it was pretty straightforward. <laughs> and I'm quite sure I wasn't privileged to, to know what was going on inside and training, but I'm fairly sure things just carried on. And uh, so why wouldn't they? I'm pr- I presume Connor comes home from training and there's there's very little said because uh, I guess inter- inter-county camps these days are just... They're almost like military camps. You, you don't want words getting in. You don't want words getting out. And, and, and it's one of those things, I suppose, when you get home, you don't really want to talk about the hurling. You want to focus on something else as well. Ah, the hurling talk would be, be, be pretty small. But, I mean, I, I wouldn't need to ask him. I, I, I'd know what's going on inside. Uh, sure, what, what, what do you do in training? 
you do a bit of fitness work early in the year and then when you get into the hurling part of it you'll do a certain amount of skill work and you'll play a game and you're, you're looking for the players then in, in the game in training to drive on each other and put I suppose to, to, to try and replicate match situations and, and that's it there's, there's no big magic to it mm. um, so you know the conversation sometimes would be you know, about, about general things Hmm. In particular, injuries. He's after picking up a lot of injuries in the last few years. Yeah. So I'd be asking him that, all right. How were the ribs one year? How was the finger? How was the arm? How was the shin? Yeah. So other than that, um, we wouldn't overdo it. Yeah, he's been like the walking uh, billboard for the A&E some years, but he's, but he's been unbelievable this year, uh, Conor. And even the, like the block against Clare and that, that semi-final. There's just little moments, I guess, that in a semi-final, you look back on even the save at the end from, from Owen Murphy. Like You're, you're just... It's a game of inches, and, and those little moments from Connor and from Owen are just so important. Game of inches, game of millimetres. I often refer to the length of the hurl, and a lot of players know which hard hurls, and the J.J. Delaney famous hook years ago with a 36-inch hurl on Seamus Canlon, if he had a 35-inch. Yeah. Everybody except Owen Murphy would tell you the cup would have gone to Tipperary. Mm. Murphy reckons he would have caught the ball. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, sure, look at... I suppose all of these little things, a block or a hook or a save, it depends on where they are. When they're on the goal line, they stand out. But, you know, throughout the field, you have those little blocks, those hooks, you have those chases, and they're equally important out there. You know, even if you talk about the goalie, if the goalie drops a ball, it's a goal. Mm. If a guy out midfielder in the backs drops it, it's no big deal. <laughs> so all of these little skills are hugely important. And, um, you know, our, our field, oh, sure, all inter-county players now. And, you know, they're just tremendous at all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's, that's what separates the winners from the losers, small things. A hop of a ball, ball hits a post, mm. comes in, comes out. And that's probably what will decide the game next Sunday. You finished up, was it last year, Martin, as the, the National Hurling Development Manager. Um, I think I read somewhere that you had maybe over 300,000 miles put on the car and over 1,000 training sessions. It could be even more than that, to be fair. But uh, you must look back on that, that particular role with, with massive pride as well. It was sure. It was a strange role in that it, it was a privilege really to be in it, and um, it opened my eyes really to, I suppose, what I call the wilderness of hurling and the great people that are working in the counties where hurling is. Oh God, it's 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 a religion, and it's so difficult to run it um, without boring you too much. But if if you if you draw a line from Dublin to Galway and go on north of it. And excluding Antrim and barely excluding Down, you've got 13 counties that have nine or less than nine adult hurling clubs. Mm. And that goes all the way down to Fermanagh with one, Lisbalaw. Now, they might have a second one from year to year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you get to meet those people and see how difficult it is to play the game of hurling, it's an unbelievable privilege because even here in Kilkenny, it's quite easy to play football because you have over 30 clubs would field the football team at every age grade. So we'd have, tr- we'd have three grades of football at every age grade. Mm. No problem. And from the top of Kilkenny to the bottom of Kilkenny, three quarters of an hour to take you there. Yeah. So there's no difficulty. Whereas guys in Westport, in Mayo, or in Eastgate, in Sligo, maybe to get one hurling match, they probably have to travel 20 or 30 miles. But to get two, they might have to travel 60. So we have the, there's a map here, and you were showing me it before, and people might be yeah. able to see this on the, on, on the screen. But you'll see... 
black dots black dots are essentially maybe explain what, what's going on so black dots are adult clubs and red dots are juvenile clubs and this yeah. is basically that line from Dublin to Galway North it just shows the sparseness of it yeah yeah well we I put that map together um, to run what we call the Tonog and the Cucullan leagues the Tonogs were the juvenile leagues and the Cucullan the adult version mm. and actually just last Sunday there we had the division 2 and division 3 finals of the of the Cucullan so when you, when you when you put the dots out in the map Obviously, you see where the clubs are. Yeah. And then you try and group them. And that's not, that's not easy. Um, unfortunately, they're so scattered, you, you can't grade them. Mm. So you've got to get an area there and maybe take the 10 nearest clubs and put them into a group. And many of those will have to travel an hour to get to a halfway venue. So that's, that was the purpose of that. Now, uh, obviously, the aim down the line will be to turn the red dots into black dots. Mm. So that if you looked at Fermanagh there with just one adult club, one black dot, but you had seven red dots. Mm. Now, if we could bring, and I say we, I mean that the GA as, as a whole could bring those seven red dots, juvenile um, units, up to adult units, then you'd have eight adult clubs in Fermanagh. Mm. That, that would be something else. That would be phenomenal. Yeah. And, you know, we look at inter-county, I suppose, you know, you have the John McDonough Grand, but then you have the Ring Record and Mar. And those are the, are the, are the clubs that are, are making, are, they're building up those teams. But, you know, if you look at Longford there and you're looking at three clubs and they're unbelievable, mm. the standard that that county team has based on just three clubs is unbelievable. Now, if, if you could build that from three to six, from six to 12, mm. it would be something else. I mean, Sligo, you would say last year there, you know, they're, they're, they're working off of maybe five clubs. And they had Eastgate there in the junior all Ireland last year. Yeah. And Mayo had, had Tory and Mayo working there. So what are we looking at? We're looking at four or five clubs. So the standard of Ireland that those guys have based on the small numbers is absolutely off the Richter scale. Because even if you're looking at my own county there, I'm just looking at the map. Uh, I think it's six, it's six adult clubs. And like Monaghan win, wins the, win their first ever Lorry Mar this year. So like yeah. when you see what some of these counties are, are I guess, working off, to achieve what they're achieving is, is quite remarkable. It is, and the standard they have. Now, even if you go up a step or two and look at, well, Carlow will say, for example, a tremendous county, but they're, they're only working off as five or six clubs as well. Mm. But the little advantage they have is their clubs are very close to Wexford, they're very close to Kilkenny, they're very close to Dublin, so they, they don't have a huge problem getting games. Um, if you look at Offaly, you know, Offaly are probably working off at 10 senior clubs mm. leash the same maybe 10 or 12 and they're trying to compete with Kilkenny we'd have 44 clubs 12 seniors 12 intermediates so you know when, when you compare like with like okay. those, those uh, lesser counties are they know they're, they're really punching away above their weight mm. what do you think is the biggest uh, it's a pretty big question but the biggest challenge facing Hurling at the moment because I guess the Donalogue Cues of comments on, on TV a couple of months ago or whatever it was were, were fairly hit the headlines and I guess he was you know comparing it to the to the Talton Cup and, and the coverage that is given to Hurling is that the biggest challenge is it is it just getting eye- eyeballs on games or, or how do you see it yeah well I look at Don Logg's comments I'd say were you know they were probably misinterpreted they were you know I, I would say that the Talton to me was something just had to happen in football and not being a football man I would say they have to go a couple of steps further and have, I mean, you had, you had, you had meeting down in the final there last weekend. Mm. You know, to me, meeting down are, 
All Ireland contenders. <laughs> and I think Martin Brehany said in the paper that they probably shouldn't be in it. It should be for the lesser counties. So mm. I would say in football, it definitely need another tier. Because in, in Hurland, at county level, it's brilliant. Every county has some hope of making the final. Yeah. And they have some hope of getting to Crow Park. And while, you know, that, that's, that's brilliant. And they can step up along. Like if you take, for example, if Sligo were to ring, win the, the Lowry Mar, well, then they can step up to the record and then, then the ring and you have, you have the pathway there. Mm. You don't have it in football. Um, now, to, to build the counties up, to me, is very, very simple. We just need, we need more clubs in the counties. Right. It's as simple as that. Now, you could ask the question and you say, why are Dublin not winning and all Ireland to have plenty of clubs? Antrim have probably 24 hurling clubs. Why are they not coming on a little bit higher? Mm. Uh, that's a different question. But the biggest challenge is to get that 13 counties to not just multiply by two, multiply by three, multiply by four, and then, without a shadow of doubt, they will improve. They have to improve. Mm. It's amazing, like when you because the map makes it so stark. Because we obviously can't see the bottom half of the country in that map, but I'd imagine it's completely the opposite. You know, you've you've, you've clubs everywhere, and you've num- you've volunteers everywhere. Yeah. Like, just getting the volunteers involved in some of those counties can be tough, I'd imagine. You see, yeah, the, the, the biggest problem is is getting games. Yeah. Like if you're if you're looking after the team, look up there in Donegal, and you're you're out there with saying Guidor. Mm. Like to get one match, you're travelling twenty miles. To get two matches, you're travelling 50. Mm. And that's the problem. Yeah. You know, and that's, so we need, you know, we, need more, we need more clubs that you don't have to go as far for a match. And you know, if you were to look at Longford, you've you got, you got three clubs. So what's your championship? Mm. It's a, a three-way around Robin. No, that's, that's not challenging. And that's, that's why we brought in the, the Tarnog and the Coocullen. So you take the Coocullen leagues there, the adult version of the Tarnog, and we had... 60 teams in that this year. Mm. So if you look at that whole area and you had 60 teams in it, divide them up into three grades, which in itself was brilliant because there's such a difference in some of the clubs, some of the teams, that to be able to grade it is a major step forward. So with the adults to have 60 clubs in that, playing right across the 13 counties, that's the future for hurling in those counties. Mm. And hopefully, um, you know, players will find it a little bit more challenging because if you're if you're hurling championship is only going to be maybe a weekend in, in the end of September, a three-way playoff. That's, that's not challenging. Yeah. But if your championship is a 10 or a 12-team championship, then that's worth getting out of bed for, that's worth training for. And to me then, players will buy into that and the whole thing will snowball. Do you ever get sick of the, of the phrase modern hurling? You know, people talk about the, well, I guess the weight of the slitter and the, the, length, of the, the length of the hurl as well and, and the... What else? I suppose the sweeper and, and yeah. the high scoring games. Do you, do you feel it has changed that much in the last 10, 20, 30 years? Or? The term modern hurling wrecks my head. Right. Because hurling is hurling. And, um, you know, the field is the same size. It's still 50 in a side. The only thing that's changed is, is the, light, the lighter ball, mm-hmm. which means that ball is travelling faster. Um, and I think it's going to come back around again. You know, the, the whole sweeper system for a start is, 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 is crazy I haven't seen any teams win with it and as I have I've spoken to some friends of mine that, that use and say look at the games that you're winning with the sweeper you're going to win them anyway but what people don't realise is when, when they deploy a sweeper they're automatically creating one at the other side mm-hmm. so if you take all Ireland champions Ballyhale and a team says if we're going to beat these guys we have to pull a sweeper 
and straight away they're leaving Owen Reid or not Owen they're leaving Richie Reid loose at the other end <laughs> and you know it's, 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 it's crazy but you know other things then like trying to short, short passing now Kilkenny were short passing as long as I can remember mm. back when I, was a, when I was a young fella and they'll short pass if a long one is not on or if they're under pressure but to insist on short passing that if I have a ball here and you're standing 20 yards away and I am instructed no matter what I have to play it to you well, that's nonsense and maybe a guy loose below on the other end of the square so you know that's, that's why you say um, this thing about breaking the lines if I'm standing in corner back and the goalie pucks the ball to me and my instruction then is to break the line and I could hit the ball but I see Kyle Hayes 20 yards away I have to break the line <laughs> I won't be breaking many lines no. so you know that, that, that's, that's down to coaching and in my view it's down to bad coaching that coaches are trying to I suppose um, they're trying to play the game from the line mm. but you can't do that hurling is an instinctive game mm-hmm. and you have to learn the skills and apply the skills and it has to be down to the player then if you're lucky enough to have the ball to say right what's, what's the best thing I can do with the ball now for the team so but it, it's coming back around and mm. you, you're, you're, you might have noticed this year um, you know if, if you look at Limerick you know they're, they're outstanding all in champions but the amount of scores they get with players loose is phenomenal Yeah, but that's closing down you know I mean to me from day one when you have the ball everybody is a forward everybody is looking to, to, to get the ball over the bar or under the bar and when you don't have it everyone is a defender but um, teams have gone away from that in recent years and leaving good players loose is, is, is crazy as far as I'm concerned mm. but you know if you watch Clare in the last couple of games with Limerick there weren't too many guys left loose even there I think Tip Tip had Limerick there in a the game recently or was it Clare and there weren't too many left loose mm-hmm. so this, this high level of coaching I think is starting to swing around now and, and figure out that if a good player has the ball and, and you don't tackle him or you stand off him he's going to score mm. so it, it'll, it'll come back it's always circular isn't it it always reverts back to, to type the, the, you mentioned the Limerick team there before I get your prediction for, for Sunday Martin I must ask you about Limerick because it feels like the gap certainly between Limerick and the, and the pack has, has closed this year and, and the last year or two maybe compared to say 2018-19 um, what has been the difference in Limerick and, and, and those counties chasing them is it just skill level that was maybe a little bit higher than other counties or, or, or how were they able to, to be on the cusp of a four in a row but you're like any team, whether it's club or county, to be good and to win, you have to get a bunch. Mm. And Limerick got a bunch. Like Limerick have had great players over the years and, and sometimes they were unlucky. And small things would, would have kept them out of a final. And sure, sure, our lads played them there a few years back and, and the real wet day was at a semi-final or a quarter-final and there was only a puck of a ball between them. You know, there was, there was no difference whatsoever between the two teams. And um, I think Kenny went on to win the Aller, and I forget, I forget what year it was. Um, but to win, y- you need a bunch. And your bunch has to be better than the next bunch. <laughs> and it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes a team can be unlucky in that they have a good bunch, but the neighbours maybe just have a slightly better one. Mm. And Limerick, Limerick have that for the last couple of years. They have the fine hurlers, they're very, very skillful, and they have a very good mixture of speed and size and power. And at the end of the day, when you have that, it's going to take beating. Um, and I suppose the other counties didn't have that bunch. Mm. But what's going to happen this year, who knows? I mean, last year, there were very little in it. Yeah. 
you know, even this year, sure, Clare, Clare and last year, Clare have pushed them very, very close. I mean, part of me thought Clare might win in All-Ireland this year. Mm. No, they won't. <laughs> so, what's going to happen? Well, that's the final question for you, Martin, I suppose. That how do you... How do you it's head, it's a head and heart thing, I guess, when you have family involved and when you're when it's your own county involved, and you've so much history in the black and amber. But how do you see the game going on Sunday? Sure, look, we can all make predictions, and we all hope. But sure, at the end of the day, we don't have a clue because the ball will be thrown in, and, and, and you, people will say you won't know until the ball is thrown in. But you won't actually know it. You mightn't even know in the last ten minutes mm. because again, I, I look back there to two thousand and five and. Our lads were down 10, 12 points against Galway. And you could say it was time to go home. But they drew it back to a goal. So you, you really don't know. Um, all I would say, and I, I'd harp back maybe to, you mentioned it there earlier, harp back to 2006 when Kilkenny were coming off of, you know, uh, you could say a hiding by Galway, even though it ended up as a goal. And then Face and Cork were running for, I think, three in a row at that stage. And a little bit like Limerick at the moment where we're playing a very, very position game. Mm. Um, a, a, a lot of people wrote off Kilkenny at that time. But I remember going up to that match, having watched, obviously having watched our lads training for the previous three weeks and their level of commitment was unreal. Um, you know, the competition for places was unreal. And I'd know that in, in my head and, and, and Brian and, and, and Michael's head, Going up that day, collectively, we said it'll take a good team to beat us. You know, you can never say we're going to win this game. <laughs> but you know you have you have material, you know you have 50 and guys going to start and maybe five coming on and they're absolutely going to empty the tank and they have a fair bit of skill level. Mm. And if you deliver that, they're going to be hard to beat. Now, how, how a player actually plays on a given day, you don't know until you go out. I call it form. You know, you, you, you need 13 guys in top form to, to win these games. Mm-hmm. So I, I see this year as something the same. I mean, we have a very, very good chance and obviously Limerick have a very, very good chance and um, I think if Limerick are going to beat us, they're going to have to be very, very good. Absolutely. Well, that's the, that's the best way to call it because as you say, we don't have a clue and all the pundits that confidently call this Sunday's game, I think, are, are maybe lying to themselves. You know, it's a tough sure, one. A hop, a hop of a ball. I mean... A football is fairly big and a hop of a ball mightn't, you know, mightn't decide too much. But in hurling, you talk about a game of inches, it's, it's a game of millimetres. Mm. Um, ball hits off your hand, it hops into it, it goes here, a touch of a hurl. I mean, you go back to the semi-final. I mean, how many things in that game happened on both sides mm. that had they not happened, the result would have been different. I mean, if you even take... You know, the, the last goal that Kilkenny got, if if if, if the Clare keeper hadn't the puck it out short, mm. <laughs> the goal wouldn't have come. Yeah. So would have been a different result. Um, in the first half, maybe, my mind, I think our, our guys were maybe going in on goal and, and were possibly fouled twice. Had they not been fouled, we could have got two goals, mm. possibly. Yeah. So, you know, the game the game hinges on the smallest. Thing. A line ball can decide the game. Yeah. Um, a lucky break, but... You know, what, what, what you have to bring, you have to bring everything that's in the bag. You know, your players have to bring everything and then you hope that you won't suffer an unfortunate score. Mm. And scores come, unfortunately. I mean, I even watched, I watched Dublin and, and, and Carlo across the road here early in the year and Dublin won it. But the first goal that Carlo got, I won't say it was a lucky goal, but it kind of came against the run of play and mm. it kind of shouldn't have come. 
And Canada couldn't bridge the gap after. They had three points, four points, they couldn't bridge it. If that goal hadn't come, Canada actually could have won the game. Mm. So that's, that's sport for you. That's why we go to these games that we don't just decide in advance who, who the winners are. Yeah, that's why we love sport and that's why we love hurling, I think, isn't it? That, yeah. that interest. Well, listen, Martin, it's been a pleasure. Um, and uh, enjoy, enjoy the game on, on Sunday as best you can. Best of luck to, to Connor and the, the Kenny lads. Appreciate that. Enjoying it. It's, um, I suppose. It's only when it's over you enjoy it if you win and if you don't you don't. Yeah. You'll be in on Sunday night if they win no doubt. Ah, we'll be in there either way. Either way. Yeah. OTB AM The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball.